This is Morning Breath, your drive-time devotion sure to jumpstart your day. Brought to you by East Coast Christian Center. Morning Breath starts now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program. This is Morning Breath, your drive-time devotion. Sure to jumpstart your day. We do that by taking a chapter of the Bible, reading it, spending some time in the Word, talking to the Lord, and then we come down to the studio here at the Merritt Island campus of East Coast Christian Center. We read the chapter on the air, and then we talk about wherever God leads us in the chapter. My co-host today is the eminent Pastor Mark Cook. Good how you doing, sir? I'm well, sir. How are you? Awesome, man. Good to have you today. Yes, glad to be in here. It's good to have me today. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't here yesterday, That's so true. it's good to have me You're today. You're back. Yeah, yeah, back. Back in black. No, well, maybe there's a little black. I have a black hat <laughs> a black on. hat. Is, yeah, yeah, okay. The black hat. Does that mean you mean the white hat? Yeah, makes you the good guy. <laughs> good cup, bad cup. Anyway, good to have you folks with us. Mark's going to tell you how you can get in touch with us to know which chapter you're in. We're in each and every day. Hopefully yeah. you're in it, too. We want you to join with us and, and uh, do Morning Breath with us. That's one of the great things about it is you can just get in the Word of God together. So if you go to our app, download the East Coast app if you haven't done that, and there is a podcast button on there, and under there you'll find the Morning Breath uh, information. It'll be our You'll have our chapter guide there that you can see where we're going to be, where we've been. You can also listen to the show on the app. You can do that on our website as well, eccc.us, under the media tab. You can always call our office at 321-452-1060, hit zero for the operator, and we can email or mail you a morning breath guide. You can also use the app and the website to uh, see our sermons. You can get to our YouTube page. Lots of ways to see everything that's happening at East Coast. Yeah, we'd love to have you doing that and connect with us. We've got a lot of, uh, you know, fun things going on around East Coast Christian Center this uh Really, tomorrow night, uh, October 31st, we're doing a family fun night here at the uh, Merritt Island campus. be a great event, great place for kids to uh, dress up and come to and be safe and have a great time and get some great candy. We're also having one out at the Coco campus out on Friday Road as well. So yep. that's out there as well. Both of them are 630 to 830. I invite you guys out. Uh, if you live out in West Coco, that's a good spot for you out there at Friday Road if you live in Merritt Island or close to the river here in Rock Ledger, Coco, and come on over to Merritt Island and uh, enjoy this uh, family fun night. Love to have you. We're also going to have First Wednesday next week on the Ooh. 6th, so one week from today, November 6th, we're having First Wednesday. That means we're going to have uh, an extended night of worship. Uh, yes. We're going to have food trucks in the parking lot. We're just going to yeah. have a great time uh, connecting together, worshiping God together. We're going to have a guest speaker uh, in uh, to, to speak with us, and it's just going to be a, a great night of pressing into the kingdom of God and, and, and community. I always think of it as a faith community, and it just, it's a great thing to be a part of. And I think First Wednesday really exemplifies that. I, I agree wholeheartedly. You know, I know life's busy in that. To make it even a better night, come on out to the food trucks and have yeah. some dinner. I mean, you do have to pay your own way there, but uh, that's how you have to do dinner at home, too. You have to buy it. So <laughs> come on out, buy dinner. Uh, the, the food trucks are reasonable. And enjoy uh, maybe some fellowship together. It should not be quite as hot. Yeah. Um, that night, usually that's the the date of the year around this part of Florida where you're hoping for a break in the weather. And so it should be a nice evening that way. Todd Mullins is coming. He's a pastor of a church in uh, West Palm Beach. Really incredible ministry. Uh, he and his wife, Julie, are part of the ARC lead team. Uh, they're just they're a tremendous couple. He's a tremendous guy. And uh, I'm sure you're going to enjoy the ministry that he brings forth that night as well. Well, so, are we ready to jump out. in? I think we should be. All right. Genesis chapter 3. It's not that long. No. 
24 verses. I'll split you right down the middle. 12 and 12. 12 and 12, man. S- sounds fair enough. New King James. All right, me too. I'll get you started, Pastor Let's Dan. Do it. I say unto you, read, sir. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. Wait a second here, I just lost my place. We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. And they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the tree, excuse me, the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I've commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. Verse 13, And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The servant deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it, Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Also for Adam and his wife the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil. And now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever, therefore the Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed cherubim in the east of the Garden of Eden, and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Amen. Tree of life. Wow. You know, God was merciful to get them out of the garden so that they didn't eat of the tree of life. And I used to wonder why, you know, I first started reading the Bible. I thought, why? What was the big deal there? 
because God had a plan for redemption, for redeeming these guys, if they would have eaten of the tree of life in the condition they were in, they would have locked themselves forever in that condition. Mm. And mankind would have been locked forever in that condition. In yeah, a fallen they, state. Yeah, in that fallen, eternal, eternally, yeah. fallen state eternally. Thank God our fallen state is not eternal now. It can be if you want it to be, but mm. it doesn't have to be. Uh, an eternal fallen state. So God was being merciful getting them out of the garden and getting them away from that. That's why he put an angel with a flaming sword, you know, at the edge of the garden to say, look, this is is serious. It'd be better for you to die here a physical death than go in there and live a spiritual death the rest of your life. Amen. Forever. Yeah, forever. Yeah, rest of your eternal life. You know, it was a long time before I heard this truth, and and which is funny because it's right in the Bible. It was there the whole time. But but that's just the way it is when you're—depends on how you come up and what you're raised under and what you're taught. And and I was always—my understanding uh, was that, you know, Adam and Eve, bad— you must leave this nice place. You you, <laughs> you you don't deserve it anymore. Yes. You know, it's kind of how it comes across, depending on how you're taught, unless you actually look at what God said. And But even that that sets the stage early in life, because that's one of the lessons that you're taught, you know, if, you're, if you grow up in church as a kid, or if you go to Sunday school, those kind of things, you're taught this stuff. And if it comes across the wrong way, you grow up with the wrong picture of God. Absolutely. And that is can, is really, frankly, it's devastating to a lot of people. I think there's a lot of people out there who who got started in the right place. They, they, were, they were in a home, maybe they were in a situation, an environment where God was being discussed by people who meant well, but they didn't have the right picture. They gave the wrong impression of who God is, and that will drive people away from God. There, our churches are, uh, you know, vastly underfilled by people who know that there's a God, who would like to put faith in him, but he just seems like an angry old man, and this understanding is one of the reasons. Absolutely, and, and the picture of, like you said, Mark, and I think one of the reasons you love to bring this out is you do have that history in yeah. your life. I came up really kind of unchurched, and so when I met God through the Word of God, I didn't have the the bad approach as much. Now, I still had this, you know, I, I kind of come to that conclusion without going to church that, oh, yeah, God must be, you know, angry with me. I had that sense, but it wasn't ingrained. It wasn't like, okay, I learned that from the Bible. I just learned that because my conscience condemned me. Mm. And really what we see in this, this, uh, this book of the Bible is Adam and Eve's conscience is actually born here, which I'm, I'm going to say something, and this is a little bit hard to understand. It might take us a little bit of work, but your conscience is not dependable. It's not a dependable guide for you. Um, You can feel bad when something's right, and you can feel right when something's bad. I mean, if you grew up uh, and your parents were cannibals, you would feel great when you ate, ate, you know, Fred Glotz from down the street. Uh, And, and, you know, I can tell you right now, that's wrong. Sure. You know, but but your conscience is formed by really your belief system. Mm. And God never intended us— to, to live by our conscience, he intended us to, he wanted to be our conscience. He was our right and wrong, and he still can be today if we'll get this book on the inside of us, because yeah. this book is uh, those right and wrong, and not this book twisted like we saw it twisted here. We saw it twisted, we see it twisted a lot of different ways. It's twisted by uh, Eve in that she she misquotes it in several ways. 
um, it's twisted by the enemy, devil in this situation, the serpent. And it's even twisted by Adam in the sense that he doesn't stand up for what the Bible says mm. in this situation. Um, and so if you don't have a twisted view, God can still be, you know, your conscience today, tell you right from wrong. God really wants you to, can you imagine, think about this for a minute. Let me see, think if I can say it this way. God wasn't holding something back from them that was good. God kept something away from them that would have forever sealed them forever in in death. Yeah. And so there were, I don't know how many trees in the garden that they could freely eat. And instead of focusing on all that God had given them and all that God had poured out for them and all that God had made available to them, they focused on this one thing that it appeared God was withholding something good from them, and he wasn't. Uh, And, you know, I don't know what the plan would have worked like if they wouldn't have fell and whether they would have eaten of that tree at some point, you know, uh, when it would have been a right thing and a God thing. But I do know this, that there were there were a lot. It was a garden. Sure. There was every kind of tree, I think, that you'd ever want or need. Can you imagine citrus growing next to walnuts? Oh, wow. You know, and all that stuff, you know, the cherry trees growing next to blueberries and all the things that don't happen in America or, you know, any part of the world because of weather. Yeah. That everything could perfectly grow together. There'd never be a season without something you could walk up and go pluck it off there because the Florida winter growing fruit would be right next to the, you know, summer growing mm. fruit of Washington state. Wow. I mean, God made it a, a, an incredible atmosphere. Yeah, he did. And, and so here's the, here's the, the kind of the dynamic that you consider. You say, well, why would that, why was it even a choice? Mm. Why would God put that in there? And, and the Bible, what I think about as I'm thinking about this story is going back to what Paul said, he said, the law strengthens sin. Mm. And so God had, God gave a choice the knowledge of good and evil, the knowledge of what's right and wrong, is what strength is actually what strengthens sin in our life. Yeah. Uh, because it's that it's that temptation. If you know something's not right, then you're always kind of there's always that thing that's tempting you to to consider doing it. Um, the law, and so having the law later on, the law would come, and not being under the law is so much better in the new covenant because the law strengthens sin. Because having having that rule that says don't do this here, you know this is wrong, you know that's wrong. There's there's a strengthening of sin there that we have to overcome, and we overcome it really through the finished work of Jesus is the only way. Yeah. Uh, but we see it, we see it's it good. from day one. It's there. God had to give us a choice. Uh, he had to give us a, an option to choose him, and that's really what it boils down to. And a lot of times, I don't, I think we don't understand why that's important. We have to have the option to choose God. He doesn't want us. He doesn't. He didn't create us to be robots. He that's created right. us to choose fellowship. Without the choice, love doesn't exist. Yeah. You know, it, in other words, if you if you have to love me, Mark, then your love means nothing. Sure. But if you willingly choose to love me or whoever you willingly choose to love, that is what gives love its incredible value and actually puts it right up there. You know, the greatest of these is love, puts it up there at such an incredible value. So, yes, there had to be choice and it had to be love. Love needs a choice. God loved us and he needed an opportunity to us for have a love choice. And in many ways, it's the same today. There's a choice to make. 
you choose Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that love choice towards God is what starts the whole process. Just like there was a choice here that started a negative process, there's a choice you can make now choosing to live and love Jesus Christ because he first loved you gets the whole process started in reverse. It's incredible. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's an incredible blessing in that situation. Yeah, you know, this... Uh, this whole thing, you know, in some ways, this may be the saddest chapter in the whole entire Bible sure. in some respects, watching uh, what they threw away. But then when I look at myself and think about myself, I think, you know, I would have probably, I'm saying, I'd done the same thing. And I, I think that's the thing to remember. Yep. That's the thing I have to try to keep in mind is we could be like, man, these guys blew it. <laughs> they threw away paradise. All they are is a picture of us. Exactly. Any, any, any one of us would have done the same thing. Yep. And think because of that, I'll, I'll take that further because this is kind of the, the thought process. Yes. The Because any one of us would have made the same choice, in the same way, God has made salvation avail- available to any one of us who will make the choice. Yes. It's, it's, it's completely democratic. And that's what's so amazing. I love, I love when we get to actually go back and look at these chapters, because if you go back now to your New Testament, you're going to see that there's direct correlation oh that you can see. You can see your whole Bible come together in chapters like this, because Paul says that in one man, all died. That's Adam. Adam made one choice, and we all are subjected to that choice. But then by the same token, in one man, That's all right. can be made alive. That's Jesus, the and second Jesus Adam. Jesus even called the second Adam. Yeah. I mean, it just makes it so clear. That that's exactly what God's doing, and and He had a plan. And this is uh, this is the other part of it that I think we we should remember is that God had a plan in place before the problem ever happened. God knew what to do. God didn't just wake up one morning and go, "Oh, now how do I fix this?" Mm. God had a plan in place and already planned to give Himself in our place sacrificially, that we might have life yeah. again, that He might be able to restore that that relationship with us that he was already planned to give himself here it kind of looks like oh he's just mad he's just pushing everybody no he's saving everybody's life he's doing the right thing and he has a plan which it says you know right there in verse 15 it ends with he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel that prophetic word there is what happened on calvary satan looked like he won but it only uh it only bruised Jesus' heel, yeah. and and Jesus crushed the head of the enemy in that situation. And so God had a plan. So whatever you're going through, whatever you're dealing with right now, know that before your problem arose, God had a plan to fix it. God had a plan to save it. I want to say something else here. You know, there's this whole thing about cursing and all the cursed stuff that happens here. And in verse 17, we have this, uh, cursed is the ground for your sake, and then it just goes through all the stuff that's going on there and, you know, weeds. And I have a friend that calls that the earth-cursed system. Mm-hmm. And that earth-cursed system is what most of us live, live in, run in, and move in. Instead of believing and walking in God's system of sowing and reaping, life and death uh, uh, that he set up based on the Word of God— not based on this earth curse. I'm here to say I believe this is not, doesn't have to be the plan for us today. Amen. We do not have to live the earth curse system way. We can live sowing and reaping, loving, caring, giving, 
and rise above this system and not be bound by it. Because that's what this does. This binds man back down to the earth, which is a, I think in one picture it's real, but in the other picture it's a metaphor. The, that God's system binds us to heaven. Yes. And lifts us up out of the miry clay, which is one of the things Scripture uses. There's a lot of dirt. You know, I studied that a few weeks ago. But a lot of dirt similarities, even in this chapter, yeah. that you see what you were made of is clinging to you now, Adam. It's trying to pull you back down in the earth, ending in death. For to dust you shall return. Dust you are, and to dust you shall return. There's a whole picture here of the earth sucking you in. Whereas Christ wants you to be seated with him in heavenly places. And I think as you look, when you look in the New Testament, and I, this makes me think of, for example, when Jesus uh, was brought the five loaves and two fish. Yes. He says he prayed over it and he looked up. And it made me think of that when you said that yeah, we're always, the, the earth is always drawing us to look down. It's mm. always, and there, here's the picture that, I, that I've seen, and, and I'm going to take a little step here um, theologically, but, but I, I feel like this is something that's real. When Jesus... Jesus came to redeem us. He redeemed us from the curse, mm. starting with this curse that you're yes, talking about. That's right. And when when Jesus, before he was crucified, he went and he 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 relived this. He went back to a garden. Yep. And it says here, there's there's something important. It says here in verse 19, based on the curse of the ground, in the sweat of your face you'll eat bread. Jesus went. Adam fell in a garden, and he was cursed by having now to to earn his living by the sweat of his face and tilling the ground. Jesus went back to a garden. Mm. He knelt down. He looked down, and he sweated even drops of blood from his face. And as he sweated, that sweat fell to the ground. And I believe that he redeemed this entire scenario That's exactly in that moment. Right, it's so incredible. It's a great picture. When you look at what Jesus did as our perfect substitute to recover everything that Adam lost. Uh, thorns and thistles. He wore a crown of thorns. Yeah. You can go right down through every part of this. And, you know, even during the crucifixion, when the Bible says that it became dark and the whole earth shook, mm. that was that was the Satan losing his hold with that earth curse system on man. Yeah. The whole earth shook, you know, and some would say, you know, that sometimes when you cry or sometimes, you know, that you can shudder, you know. A child with their shoulders shake when they're crying hard. You know, that's a picture of what happened with the earth when Jesus broke the power of this curse yeah. over mankind. And like you said, in the garden, uh, by the crown that he wore, you know, it, it just goes on and on and on, t t all the things. And that Jesus didn't face corruption. That's where it stopped. It says, to, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. He didn't. That Amen. was a huge part of yeah. redeeming us, that death couldn't hold him, that he rose from the dead, that he never saw corruption. He didn't rot in the grave like yeah. everybody else that's ever been buried, you know, 2,000 years ago did. Uh, he did not because he is not of the dust. Amen. He's of heaven. Yeah. And uh, he made the dust. And incredible. so that puts you a little bit above it. And yeah. so that picture is an incredible picture, Mark. There's another element of this. It goes back in verse 16 to the woman. He said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception and in pain you shall bring forth children. Um, we've been, we've, my family, we've got four kids. Pastor Jan, you've got four kids. One of the things that um, my wife really took hold of was the idea that she had been redeemed from this curse. Yes. 
uh, and it was so powerful. We went through a lot of struggles. Um, you know, we had miscarriages. Um, then we had a couple of babies, and on the second baby, she had to have a C-section, and she was told, you'll never have a baby naturally again. And in that moment, we said, that is that is bunk. We are going to believe the Word of God. And Come she on. began to chase after this thing and to press in and, and to understand this truth, that she had been redeemed from the curse. And we, she went on. I say we like I had something to yeah, do with it. Yeah, <laughs> you did. I think you did. <laughs> she went on. Uh, in, in today's culture where they just don't let you do this in the medical field, she went on to have our last two babies fully 100% naturally. And she wasn't travailing and screaming in pain like you see on TV. Yep. She had the most incredible, most she worked hard, but she had incredible, peaceful birth Yes, uh, against all odds because she believed that she'd been redeemed from this curse. Uh, it's so powerful, Mark. I don't know how—I I have lost number of how many women— in my lifetime now that I know that have actually believed this. we Carolyn likes this show uh, called The Midwife. Mm. And in every one of them, the lady's screaming like crazy. Well, <laughs> I've been in a labor room with someone for four children that didn't scream like crazy. And I was there when my daughter gave birth, and she didn't scream like crazy. And speaking of crazy, we got to go. We'll be <laughs> back in a minute. <laughs> you are listening to Morning Breath from East Coast Christian Center, Merritt Island, Vieira, and Coco. People often say kids are like sponges. Their powerful young minds will soak up anything and everything. This is true, especially during their toddler years, which is why it is important that they be in a fun, friendly, God-centered learning environment like East Coast Christian Academy. We offer activities in the areas of social, emotional, physical, and spiritual to guide those minds toward all that they were created to be. Contact Cindy Smith for more information at 453-KIDS. That's 453-5437. Need a fence professionally done the first time? Hercules and Atlas Fence, owned and operated by Mike Green, has been certified since 1960. No job is too small or too big. Hercules and Atlas Fence, 321-258-9853. Or visit us online at ineedafencenow.com. Real Estate Services. Scott Langston, senior commercial broker, has been selling real estate and giving free consultations for over 18 years. Scott Langston will show you how having a professional can make a difference in your buying, investing, or leasing commercial property. Scott Langston, 321-403-1111. That's 321-403-1111. Now go out there and make it a great day. TNT, the new thing, church for the fired up teenager. Come out for a night of worship, growth, and good times. Every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. at East Coast Christian Center. For more information, call 452-1060, extension 149. For frequent updates and events, check us out on Facebook and Instagram. East Coast Vieira meets every week at Vieira High School at 915 and 1045. With a high energy and dynamic children's ministry for all ages, East Coast Vieira Youth meets every Sunday night at 6 p.m. For more information or to learn more, our website is vieira.eccc.us. Welcome back to the show. This is Morning Morning. Breath. Morning. 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 Amen. I almost lost my balance on where we were at in that in that uh, come back in part of the thing. I almost spoke too soon. But anyway, I just want to give you a real quick picture of how how the enemy tries to pull you off of what God said, what what God's doing, God's plan 
for your life. And in this picture here, when the serpent shows up, you know, I wondered, you know, why not a lion and scare him? Why not a gorilla and overpower him? Um, Why a serpent who is more cunning? Because really, it's what you choose that's going to make the difference. No one can force you into being a God follower. Nobody can force you out of not being a God follower. Mm. No one can force you into saying yes to God. No one can, can you know, make you say no to God. Uh, that's a choice. It's something God has given us on the inside, something powerful, something uh, holy, and it's part of that love thing again. If you don't have choice, you don't, there's love is not involved in the equation. So he comes in and he says, has God indeed said? So, like, oh, yeah, he did, didn't he? Didn't he? That doubt plant is what the enemy's all Mm. about. And in this situation, she entertains it. She answers him back and adds some things. It's just not pretty. When Jesus did it, going again to what God does, when Jesus did it, when Satan tempted him in the garden when he went away to be fasted, uh, to fast and be tried, he responded with, it is written. Amen. And that's where we got to stay. Yeah. Stay within the confines of the word. It's a holy, safe, wonderful place to stay. God has said. He has said. God bless you guys. Have a great day. See you, Mark. Bye. Thank you for listening to Morning Breath from East Coast Christian Center. We hope to see you at one of our locations this weekend. For additional information, such as service times, events, and more, please visit us at eccc.us. Thanks, and we hope you have a blessed day.